Well, good morning, y'all, and happy Lord's Day. Thank you. It is good to see y'all's face. Last week, uh, what an incredible week this past week has been for so many throughout the entire diocese. Last week, whenever we had Mass outside, um, I spoke about the five-finger gospel. Anybody remember what that was? What was the five-finger gospel? Wow, nobody remembers. This is terrible. <laughs> five-finger gospel, you did it to me. You do remember. Look at that. Yeah, you did it to me. That's the easiest way to remember the gospel. Whenever Jesus is with his apostles, he says to them, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And they said, Lord, come on, man. When did we see you naked and hungry and thirsty? And he said, what you did to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Five finger gospel, right? There's a lot of that gospel being lived out in our diocese today. Right? A lot of parishes are doing a lot of incredible things to help Christ. See, that's what Jesus is saying at the root of it, at the heart of everything. We have a belief as Christians that what we've done to the least, we've done it to Christ. That they're Jesus. They're Jesus. You're Jesus. Right? Christ lives in you. And that's a great reality for us. And so all across the diocese, people are serving Christ as he suffers, as he's hungry, as he needs clothes, um, as he needs shelter. People are reaching out all over the place, right? Just right here in St. Thomas, this past week, we fed like close to 3,000 people, right? Between Dulac, Thibodeau, and Lockport. 3,000 people. When I was hungry, you gave me food. Looking right over here, you see the beauty of the generosity of people who came and donated clothes and more shoes than any women should ever be allowed to have. <laughs> right? There's a lot of shoes in there. And you know what? I've, ne <laughs> I've never had somebody come to confession and say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I have way too many shoes. <laughs> right? There's a lot of shoes. And you're saying, I don't need 500 shoes. I'm going to give 200 to St. Thomas. Our girls would definitely appreciate those beautiful shoes. Yeah, whenever I was naked, you gave me clothes, right? So we're living in very powerful ways the gospel, even if we don't realize it, right? That five-finger gospel, you did it to me. So guys, today's gospel kind of lends itself right into that. What's happening in today's gospel can't be seen outside of what happened right before Jesus speaks to his apostles he pulls them aside and teaches them something very important today. And I think he's teaching us something important as well. If you back up a little bit in Mark chapter 9, we see Jesus taking Peter, James, and John. And he takes them up the mountain and he's transfigured before them. His clothes become dazzling white, right? What looked like Jesus, the Nazarene, all of a sudden now becomes the glorified Christ. They see him in all of his glory and Moses and Elijah were there speaking to him. And Peter gets so excited. You've got to realize, Peter, he's sitting there seeing God in all of his glory. And Peter looks at him and goes, it's good that we're here, Lord. <laughs> like, wow, let's go get a tent and set it up right here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. That would be really cool. Let's just camp out because we're seeing your glory before us. <laughs> what a goofball, Right? <laughs> I don't know if I would respond very, very much more eloquent than Peter did, but man, you're seeing the glory of God revealed to you. And Peter, really, that's all you can say? It's good that we're here. 
Anyway, that's what happens. And then Jesus goes and he performs a miracle. And then today's reading takes place. All right? Jesus does something really crazy. He begins now to tell his apostles that he's going to be handed over to men. And they're going to kill me. And then I'm going to rise from the dead. Those three things is what he tells them. And they don't quite get it. They, they begin to look at each other and they're like, it says they were afraid to ask him any questions. He's predicting his death and resurrection and they don't know what to do with it. Right? And then they just keep walking. I think there's something really cool about this because what we see is the glory of the transfiguration, the horror of the cross, and the glory of the resurrection. You see how those two are the bookends between the cross is the glory of his transfiguration and the glory of the resurrection. Right in the middle, like an Oreo cookie, is, <laughs> that's terrible, is, uh, <laughs> is the crucifixion of Jesus, right? <laughs> it's important that we see that because many times the glory and the cross go hand in hand, doesn't it? Yesterday, I'm going to tell you a story what happened while we were serving um, some famous bourgeois burgers down in Lockport and giving out over 3,000 gallons of gasoline. Um, one of the students that comes here, Connor Sheremy, he's one of our musicians, incredibly talented young man. He's from Lockport, and he was like, Father, you have a minute? He said, I want to come show you something. I said, sure. So I walked into the church. I don't know if any of you have seen pictures on Facebook of what Holy Savior in Lockport looks like. Maybe that was your home parish. Maybe you even went to school there. That is tragic. It's a horrible scene. Most of the ceiling is on the floor. Okay? Um, really sad. And so there's a path through the middle of the aisle where they've pushed aside all of the debris. And you can walk up the middle of the aisle. When we got in there, there was a teenager inside. He's a sophomore in high school at Edie White. And, uh, and so I called him over to come and listen to what Connor was about to tell us. And so Connor began telling stories about the church and about the things that have gone on in the church and, and the way the community has been affected and things that people are doing to help them out. It was just really a cool moment. And Connor's slowly walking us up the aisle as he's talking about what it looked like before they pushed stuff out the way. And... Um, and there was water all over the place. Anyway, he walks us up and he goes over to the piano. And he says, but check this out. And he opened up the piano and he started playing a song. It was awesome. It was a moment that hit this teen. It was really cool. I think he was playing, oh God, beyond all praises. But I'm not really sure. But I think that was a song he started playing. And so this teenager, he goes, this is so surreal. He said, you've got the beauty of this song in the midst of the tragedy and the debris that's all over the church. And it was a moment to, to savor. It was a moment to take in because that was absolutely right. There was something that beauty brought into the midst of the ugliness of the tragedy of what was going on. And it superseded the tragedy. Beauty has a way of doing that, y'all. Beauty has a way of helping us overcome so many obstacles and, and seeing beyond what we see and experience, right? And I really think that we have to realize those things, especially today, right? 
What is so beautiful that's going on today is the beautiful acts of charity. The acts of love that people are pouring out all over the diocese is helping people who don't have a house anymore. People who are still sleeping in tents, who don't have water, they don't have electricity, their churches are in shambles. It's helping people to overcome the tragedy of the cross by the beauty of charity, of love for neighbor. It's superseding and helping to give comfort and helping to raise their spirits up a little bit in the ways that only God's grace can do. And so I thought it was really just a neat parallel with Jesus showing the transfiguration. This is what is going to get you through the cross, is the beauty and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so when the cross hits us, we don't just focus on the cross. We focus on the beauty of the resurrection to come. Because I guarantee you, as a diocese, as families, as churches, we will be resurrected. We will come out of this a whole lot stronger and rise through the ashes. I guarantee you it's going to happen. Why? Because love conquers all things. And whenever people are all across the diocese pouring out love, it's going to rise up through the rubble. And we'll be stronger because of it. I have no doubt. It's the way grace works. And so Jesus now begins to teach his apostles about the cross and about the resurrection. That we don't lose hope in the midst of the cross, but we hold on to the resurrection. And then they begin to grumble about amongst themselves. The apostles begin to do this, right? And it's really kind of weird because whenever Jesus confronts them, he says, they get to Capernaum and he says, what were y'all arguing about? And they, and they didn't say anything. It's like they were caught because <laughs> they were talking about something they probably shouldn't have been talking about. And the scripture says they were talking about who was going to be the greatest. <laughs> Go figure. A bunch of men gather together and they can see who's the best. Who does Jesus like the best? And Peter goes, huh, well, of course it's me. I'm the one that gets to do everything. And James and John go, well, he likes us too. We got to go up the mountain for the transfiguration. All you other guys didn't get to do it. He likes me more. I'm more powerful. I'm going to have more authority. A bunch of men <laughs> that Jesus chose, right? Jesus was right there in their midst and all they can think about is their own ego. Isn't that what we do? I knew, I know I do, Right? Whose parish is the best, <laughs> right? St. Thomas, of course. <laughs> yeah, so this is what they're talking about. And what happens is Jesus knows it. They don't even tell him. He already knows it. And he says to them, he doesn't fuss at them. He just gives them a good lesson. He says, I say to you, the one who will be first must be last of all, and a servant of all. The one who wants to be first, the one who wants to be the most powerful, the one who wants to rise up through the ranks the most, you, you got to be the servant of all, right? If you want to be first, you got to be last. you got to serve. Y'all, this is a complete contradiction to the way the world says we should live. we got to understand this. It's a contradiction in the way in which we are born and raised on how we should live, that the most powerful should serve. And it's an incredible moment whenever you see it happen. But this is the way of the gospel. 
And just to throw a couple of examples out to you, right? I see this happen all the time with families, mothers and fathers, right? By your right, by, your, by the birth of your child, you have authority over your child, don't you? Please say yes. Okay, good. Okay. You have authority over your child, but yet don't you spend your entire life serving them? Even when they go away and they fly the nest, they normally always come back at some point. You're still serving your kids for the rest of your life. Yes, you are an authority over them. They do not have authority over you. And if they do, come talk to me. We'll give you a little 101 lesson. You have authority over your children, but yet you serve them your entire life. There's the message of the gospel. That's what Jesus is speaking about. The greatest amongst you must be the least. He must serve, right? It's an incredible gift, and that's why it can be so powerful in families whenever moms and dads serve in such beautiful ways their children. Speaking of children, Jesus pulls a little kid into his midst. And again, he's teaching a lesson. He pulls this little kid, and he holds this little kid in his arms, so tender. And he says, whoever receives one such of these in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me, God. What a cool lesson, a visual lesson, Jesus pulling that little kid in, right? And how are we doing that, right? Well, again, the way that you're serving your children is a powerful example of that. But also, I think in a particular way, we have to acknowledge our school teachers and principals. Catholic schools as well as public schools are making tremendous sacrifices for our little ones, for our kids, for our teenagers. They're having to combine schools and know it's not the ideal year, but man, we're doing the best we can. We're trying to reach out to those kids who are not going to be able to get an education because their school can't be opened at this point. And so people across the area are making sacrifices. Why? For little ones, for the kids, so they can have an education and not miss an entire year. Is it inconvenient? Absolutely. But who is it that we serve? When we do that, according to this good book, it's Christ himself. When you welcome one of those little ones, you're welcoming me. You see, guys, that's our deepest reality as Christians. Again and again and again, Jesus is telling us what you've done for the least of them, you did it to me. That five-fingered gospel holds true, and here Jesus continues to let us know that, right? So let us this week... Find a way, whatever it might be. There's plenty of opportunities to do acts of charity, whether it be in your own family to help someone out along the way, whether it be a neighbor, whether it be coming to, with us down to St. Annenberg's on Tuesday to give out 500 Canes boxes. That's going to be yummy, right? Um, whatever it might be, some act of charity. Scripture says, love covers a multitude of sins. Now, either there was a whole lot of sin going on in Louisiana that we needed a whole lot of love to cover that multitude of sins. But that is what I believe will help us to overcome the cross, the tragedies that we're seeing is going to be love. It's going to be acts of charity, right? So let us this week find that five-finger gospel. Let us live that out in powerful ways this next week, right? So that God can be glorified and so that his name will be lifted up and that those who are struggling still may have a sense of hope, not just in the cross, 
but in the resurrection and the way that Jesus lives in and through each of us. Amen?